You're listening to the Shopify Solutions Podcast, a podcast for Shopify store owners that brings you concrete examples on how to build and grow your e-commerce business. My name is Scott Austin, and I have an e-commerce agency named Jade Puma. In this podcast, I'll share my e-commerce insights and best practices with you. Hey, Scott Austin here, and in this week's episode, I want to talk to you about Facebook ads. But my agency doesn't help my clients with Facebook ads. We leave that to other agencies. So I'm not the expert you need to talk to about this. So instead, I went onto the internet and found the expert for you. His name is Brendan Hughes, and he's here today from Optally. Welcome, Brendan. Hey, Scott. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, glad to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience and why we should listen to you when it comes to Facebook ads? So I've been in, involved in e-commerce, I'm, I'm going to say my whole life, but um, uh, I grew up in, in a food retail business and uh, before the internet, let's say. Um, but for mo- most of my working career, for 20 years plus, I've been involved in e-commerce. You know, um, we all know there's two sides to that really. One is the, you know, the core operations of running a great e-commerce business. And then the other side is you know, digital marketing and marketing more generally. And I've been on both the buy side and what we call the sell side. So I've been involved in kind of buying ads for most of my career, but also in selling. Um, and today, and for the last four years, we've been with Optally, and we're really trying to help in the middle, um, mediating between the buyers, um, advertisers, primarily e-commerce and Shopify stores, and the sellers, which are the big ad platforms, the Google, Facebook, TikTok, and, and Microsoft, etc. So, you know, we've been working with... For the last four years, we're very focused on automation and we've been working with hundreds of e-commerce brands, helping them to apply automation to help them to get better returns because these things are live auctions. You're buying ads, essentially you're bidding 24-7 um, and you know you wouldn't leave that in the hands of the people you're buying it from generally, but we tend to, so we want to take back control a little bit. So here in the Shopify Solutions podcast, most of our audience is smaller stores and it's the store owner, right? And that's who we're talking to today. So a lot of these businesses are new, getting started, been around for a little bit of time, and they're going to be doing Facebook ads for the very first time. And what I'd like to do is walk them through a little bit of a step-by-step tutorial of how to get started with Facebook ads for the first time. So how do we know that someone wants to? How should a store know that they want to get started with Facebook ads? So when we're thinking about Facebook ads, um, as we know, Facebook has rebranded into Meta um, and Meta now really encompasses Facebook and Instagram. There are some other channels in there. So the Messenger app as well. And then there's a thing called the Facebook Audience Network. And that are, you know, news sites and publishers will take ads from Facebook and serve them on their websites. So that gives you kind of access to people who went, who are Facebook and Instagram users even when they're not on Facebook, they might be seeing an ad kind of from Facebook. So why do you want to be there? Uh, today, about 70% of US adults are on either or both Facebook and Instagram. Um, so there's a lot of people spending time on there. On average, they're spending between kind of, well, 49 minutes, I think is the average on Facebook and 51 minutes is the average minutes per day on Instagram. So people are spending you know a chunk of time every day on there. And and really, in the last maybe five years or so, Facebook and Instagram have been great ways for e-commerce brands to scale. And um, so they've been very effective channels to spend money on, to find people who are in market for your product, but not necessarily searching for your product. So it's a bit like a, we call it a discovery channel. 
So um, it's a great place to find and discover people who are um, potentially going to buy your product, but they're not actively searching, not in Google or Microsoft being actively searching right now. Um, so it's a great way to, to grow your audience. So on the on the Shopify side of things, that's on the, you know, the Facebook side, why you should be there, which makes total sense. Your customers are there. Yeah. As a Shopify store getting started, is there a time where they should get started in Facebook ads? Is like, is there, is it too early? Should they be on other ad platforms first? And then Facebook falls certain place in that sequencing. How should we think about it from the store owner's point of view? So what we always like to see for a store that's thinking about spending money on ads is that the store's working, you know, spending money on ads to bring people to a store that doesn't convert doesn't drive sales. In essence, it'll be a waste of money. Um, and we would often say to people who are getting started is we, we probably look at your Google Analytics in the first instance or your Shopify kind of analytics and start looking at things like your conversion rates, right? So if you, yeah, industry average conversion rates in Shopify around about 1.3, 1.4%. Um, if you're there or thereabouts, right? If your conversion rate is north of 1%, then that's probably a good indicator that it's you can scale your store with ads okay ads probably isn't the first thing that you should do to to scale your store you need to make sure that it's converting right so because you know and and so there's other things you can do and your podcast um covers a lot of those things right and that you can be doing before you start kind of spending money on ads there, there are a couple of other things that, that can be helpful metrics to look at. Um, so, for example, average order value or average basket value is another interesting metric um, because it does cost money um, and you want that investment to be profitable when you're spending money on ads. So typically we would think about a minimum average order value, you know, on, on across the site or maybe across certain categories that you might be kind of thinking about highlighting. Of probably seventy five dollars plus, okay. And so, so, so why do why do we think about that number? It, and again, depends on the margin you're operating with in your store. But if you're, let's say, your CPA um, is fifteen dollars, so your cost per transaction or your cost per acquisition, um, let's say it's fifteen dollars, then you're probably getting a five, what we call a five x ROAS. So for every one dollar you spend um, in ads, you're getting a a, a five. Um, dollars in revenue that you can attribute back to that okay and that's a 20 percent kind of cost right on on on, on what you're on on the products you're selling so if you have more than the 20 percent margin on your on your products then a 5x ROAS is fine okay so in facebook and instagram you know 15 dollars cost per acquisition is probably a good result okay on average okay you'll have other stores where you know their average kind of the product are selling and maybe is retailing or their average order value is a thousand dollars so they're happy to spend two hundred dollars to acquire a customer you know because it's a less frequent purchase etc if your basket size is you know if it's 30 40 dollars it's going to be hard to make this channel work for you okay um so it's another kind of benchmark to have in mind that okay by the time i you know manage a full funnel of 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 investment so awareness at the top of funnel and consideration and traffic in the middle of funnel and then these sales campaigns i'm probably going to be spending about kind of 15 to 20 dollars per customer okay and then the the third metric to keep in mind is maybe your lifetime value so are you good at when you acquire a customer at generating repeat business from them 
either through ads, and it'll be very cost effective because you already have their data and that you can feed into the ad channels. And we can talk about that later. But ideally through, you know, SMS marketing and email marketing and just kind of just that relationship marketing that you're doing. Because the most expensive thing you can do is acquire a customer. But if you can generate repeat purchases from that customer once you've acquired them, then the payback is much better. So you're less concerned about your return on ad spend. You're more concerned about your, what we call your marketing efficiency ratio, which is your total sales, you know, as a ratio to your ad spend. So, okay, I'll, I'll stop there. Probably too many numbers and acronyms that I'm trying to yeah. get. But but the numbers and acronyms are really important here, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, let, let's talk with the, the first acronym was CPA, which is cost per acquisition. And the way the Shopify store needs to think about that is that's what they're going to pay to Facebook to get a conversion. You said $15 is really good, which means it's normally higher than that for most people. Yes, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. And then ROAS, return on ad spend, is if you get that $15, if you acquire that customer for $15, how much money do you make off of them? Yes. Right? yes. And that, that, you know, a ROAS of five means it would be five times that 15. So you make $75 off of them. And there's two ways you can come up with that $75 number. One is from the order value, the AOV, the average order value, if you only are selling one product to a customer. The other is using the LTV, the lifetime value acronym, which is if you acquire a customer, you know, 90% of your customers make a second purchase, then you can think about factoring in that lifetime value, that LTV, into that equation, which, you know, let's just say your ROAS, or not your ROAS, but your cost per acquisition is $20, and your product, your average order value is $30, that doesn't make sense. But if your average customer makes five purchases at $30 for $150, then spending the $20 does make sense. And that's where you have to know your business as a store owner because every business is different. And then you got to understand these numbers and figure out how it works for your business. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, hundred percent. So, so okay. if we're starting to help somebody with, with thinking about how, because people often ask, how much should I invest? invest in ads right and then exactly this is the conversation that we need to have which is what's your business model how good are you at converting how good are you at then generating repeat purchases and cost and business from your customers and then also then you know your gross margins right so you know how much have you got to play with um in terms of your you know what it costs to manufacture and kind of and uh, and you know and store that your products etc so as that new store owner, we've got to figure out, are we going to be doing advertising or not? We're going to look at those numbers, see our conversion. And if we make the decision that, you know, now's the time for me to test, I'm going to say test as an in, instead of invest in, let's go test out meta ads. How does one get started with that? The first thing you're probably going to do, and you probably already are up and running with it, is have a business Facebook page and a business Instagram page. And what you want to do there is you want to post what in the ads industry we call organic content, right? So you want to create content around your brand, your founder story, your purpose and your products and your customer experiences with your product and, and post that content on a fairly regular basis, ideally daily onto your Instagram feeds and onto your, your Facebook feeds. When you're starting off, uh, and again, a lot of our customers would be in the same kind of position as as, as your, your listeners, 
which is, you know, starting off and trying to build, you know, an audience and trying to build community. And what a lot of early stage stores find is that there's a very strong correlation between followers and fans on social media and people who purchase. Now, it's hard to to see that in, in, in real terms because the platforms don't share that data anymore. But when you go and you look at the names of the people who are following you and then you see who's purchasing, then you can see this for yourself. So it makes a lot of sense to invest in growing your social following or for your customers and visitors, visitors to your website to get them to engage with your social, right? Because they obviously want to or trust you enough to buy from you. And they like your brand and your products because they're buying from you. So get them to like you and follow you on social. So, and that's going to be very useful for the ad strategy, right? But you need you need to have them anyway, right? In order to get started. And then once you're kind of up and running with your, your pages, then you need to kind of do a search on Google for a Facebook ads manager and Facebook business manager. You need to create a business manager account in Facebook or in Meta. And what you're doing in there is essentially you're saying, this is us, who we are as a business. Um, so you're putting in your your business details. You're putting in your you know your your billing details. So Facebook and Meta can take take the money from you. You're linking your your pages, your Instagram page and your Facebook page with that account. Um, so now you're now getting more control over those pages, and you can actually start to share access to those pages with others in your team or your business partners, your agencies who are working with you, et cetera. So you get much more control over those pages uh, once you create a, a business manager account in Meta. What you then need to do is you need to connect your your business manager, your Meta business manager with your Shopify store. And um, there's a sales channel in Facebook, which kind of helps you kind of to get that up and running. And the, the, there's probably three things to think about there. And uh, the first one is the pixel. So you need to um, install the Facebook pixel and the Facebook pixel is essentially, you know, a piece of tracking code that you put onto every page on your website. Facebook allows you to set up eight events, which you can track. And many of those are out of the box. An event is, for example, a landing page view. So somebody lands on your website and, um, and it's a specific goal that you can set in Facebook, which is I want to drive traffic to my website. So therefore landing pages are my kind of a key goal and then you can go all the way through the conversion funnel from um, add to cart you know checkout and ultimately kind of purchase so so in each of those can be a goal that you can optimize towards you can say to facebook i want to find more people who are more likely to add my product to my cart right um or to, to the cart so so you set up the pixel and you install it on your website and then in the events manager so in business manager you see a link for events and you can go in and you can make sure the that the pixel is firing. So you can actually see the data flowing through and you can see that each of the events are firing kind of on, on, on your page. Now on, on those events, yeah. you, know, you said you can set up up to eight. Yeah. Am I manually defining those? Like, is, is there like a checkout one and I have to like put in a URL? How, how do those events get set up by the store owner? There's, there's out of the box, there's a bunch that are kind of ready to roll, right? So, so they're because of Facebook and Shopify, natively integrate them there's a bunch of them that are so all the standard ones are there but you can set up custom events right so you might have something specific about your product or you might have uh, a different kind of conversion flow and you want to say actually this step i want to kind of i want to know how many people from facebook are actually landing on that 
So an example there could be for if you want email signup to be something, yes. you could have a thank you page after your Clavio form instead of keeping it on the same one and then have the, the success event be get to the thank you page. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and the reason that these events can be very useful to you is that one, you can exclude people who've kind of done a certain event so that you don't waste money trying to remarket to them. So for example... If you are running an email sign-up campaign um, and you know an ad campaign in, in Meta for that, then once somebody has signed up for it, you don't they don't need to see the ad anymore. Or similarly, kind of with purchase. And the other thing, which is probably more well, it's not probably, but is more useful, is identifying people who've gone a certain stage in your in the purchase journey and then stopped. And now we can remarket to those people. And what we find is that that was a light bulb for me. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the one of the most useful ones is the add to cart, right? So people who've added to cart but haven't completed the purchase, right? So we know a few things about these people. We know that they've got high purchase intent because they've picked the product and they've added it to, to the cart, and uh, we know they haven't purchased. Uh, we know what product. So, in in, in particular, uh, Meta knows what product they added to the cart. Okay, uh, and we'll go on to the cat. We'll talk about the catalog integration in a minute, rightly. Um, so, so what that means then is you can now um, develop a specific campaign for those people, showing them the product dynamically that they added to the cart or the number of products, and Facebook figures that bit out for us. But you can also then have, for example, an additional incentive. So you know somebody's added to the cart, and maybe in the first phase of your remarketing to them, you can say, "Look, hey, you've left." you know, product in the cart, you know, click here to, 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 to complete the purchase. And we know that works very well in email. And you can also phase that because maybe, you know, two or three days later, they still haven't completed the purchase. Then maybe you want to put an incentive on top of that, right? And now drive con- conversions through. That's probably the most value is uh, remarketing to people based on what they, ha- they ha- haven't done and then excluding people who've done something you wanted them to do, right? So they're the two great ways. I'm sorry, the third kind of great use from the pixel is building lookalike audiences. Okay, so a lookalike audience, so so it goes in percentages, right? So a, a 1% lookalike audience is 1% of the population, of the US population, who Facebook deems to have similar behaviors and attitudes and interests to your audience, to people who, who who have been fired by your pixel. So you could say, I want to build a lookalike audience based on people, based on people who visited my website. Okay. Um, or you could say, I want to build a lookalike audience based on people who bought from me. Right. So further down the kind of the purchase journey. That's a great place to start expanding your audience. Right. So one thing is obviously remarketing to people who visited you and the pixel is great for that. Now you want to go a bit broader and you want to find people who um, Facebook thinks might be, you know, interested in in buying from me. How can Facebook do this? And they don't do it just on the basis of what people are doing in Facebook or Instagram. Um, the Facebook pixel pretty much is on every e-commerce website across the, uh, the globe, right? But particularly across kind of the Western, Western world. Um, because everybody's playing the same game and everyone's, you know, wants to kind of find more people from Facebook and et cetera. So Facebook has all of that data, right? About what are the other sites, 
the other e-commerce stores that that um that this person is visiting and um, what are they in market now for this type of product in this category and all of that feeds into the facebook algorithms and it can be very very effective and we all see this in our day-to-day lives where you know you might be on one of your devices and search for something and then on another one of your devices, all of a sudden, either YouTube videos related to that are showing up or ads yes. are showing up. And, yes. you know, yes. we all see this everywhere and you get to tap into that power um, yes. as a yeah. Facebook or meta advertiser. Yeah, and it is. And it's very powerful and very useful. And it's fun testing it, you know, because, you know, I'm going to buy a pair of sneakers and I haven't looked for sneakers in, let's say, in six months. And then I go on to the, at, you know, the Adidas store. And all of a sudden, my Instagram feed is just full of, you know exactly what it's going on, right? 12 so, seconds later. Yep. It's, <laughs> it's amazing how, how effective it is. Yeah. So look, one of the problems with um, the Pixel, as we all know, is that the, the cookie is in trouble. So the Facebook Pixel is essentially a third-party Pixel or cookie tracker on your site. Yep. So the second thing that you need to do in getting set up with Shopify is to install what Facebook calls the conversion API. And that's essentially in, in their technical languages, essentially server to server tracking. So instead of using and relying on the pixel and many people will be blocking pixels. And then we know that from 2024, the Chrome browser will be completely blocking third-party um, uh, pixels. What the conversion API does, it takes data from when somebody purchases or takes action on your store and it's using the shopify pixel which is a first party pixel so it's a pixel that's your store effectively owns and it's tracking your behaviors over several sessions right and when somebody purchases or they they take an action on your website then that's been sent not through the pixel tracker but from your shopify store server to facebook server and that's helping to close the loop. So what Shopify recommends is that you use both. You use the Pixel, and then you also connect the conversion API. And that's going to give you the best chance to get a full picture of the customers and the shoppers who are on your store. How does one connect the conversion API? That sounds technical, or is it just an app? No, so thankfully, Shopify and Facebook have made that relatively easy. So again, when you install this, the Facebook sales channel, there's a step-by-step guide in there to get the pixel going, get the conversion API. It's it's a few clicks. It's it, You don't need a developer to do anything. So thankfully, they, they've made that simple. The third thing, and this can sometimes create some challenges, but there is a native integration, is your catalog, right? So you're, you want to get your Shopify catalog and you want to have that in what's called Commerce Manager, right? In, in Facebook, in, in your business manager. Now, why do, you, why do you want to do that? Okay, so first one is what we talked about um, a few minutes ago, which was uh, that remarketing to a customer with the product that they were looking at on your website or were interested in or added to the, added to the basket. So Facebook, once you connect your catalog in Shopify with, with Facebook, then um, if you set up a what's called a dynamic product ad, and you're remarketing with that, then every time somebody, the next time somebody's in Instagram or Facebook, they haven't made that purchase, then they'll see that product, the one, you know, of that, that they were interested in. And the second thing you can do then is you can, so that's remarketing. The other type of thing you can do from an ads perspective is what we call prospecting. So you can potentially go out to your lookalike audience and say, 
hey, Facebook, here's my product catalog. Please put this, the relevant products in front of people you think are going to be interested in my products. Okay. And again, you're letting Facebook do its magic, right? Or let its algorithms run. Um, and that's, it won't be as effective as your remarketing campaigns because people have demonstrated clear purchase intent around a specific product. But it is interesting and it's definitely worth testing if you're getting started. And the third one on your catalog, which is very interesting and very worth doing also to support your organic strategy, is um, creating Facebook shops and Instagram shops. Okay, and this is free services from Facebook and Instagram. And what that allows you to do is when somebody goes to your Facebook page or Instagram page, they see the shops button um, and they can essentially browse your catalog and you can create collections so they can, you can put, you know, themed collections together of your products that people might want to be in, buy together or be interested in together. Um, but the more useful thing you can do is start tagging. So your posts with your products. So again, you'll see this a lot. Um, somebody has a, a brand has a video um, and there's several products that are being featured in the video. Then you can tag your products in there and people can click to see the product inside of the Instagram um, environment or the Facebook environment. And then there's two options. One, they can click to view that product on your website. Or if you enable the, the full commerce functionality in Facebook shops and Instagram shops, they can buy directly within Facebook and Instagram and Facebook and Instagram charge you 5% uh, fee for whatever's purchased there. And when they purchase through a meta platform, are they checking out through and giving a credit card to Meta or are they checking out through Shopify somehow? Yeah, no, they're, they're checking out through Meta um, and then that order is then fed. So, so their payment details are with Meta and Facebook, which is why Meta and Facebook are doing it, right? Because they're getting those kind of payment details. But then the order is feeding back into you in Shopify. So if you connect your Shopify product feed into these stores, it brings back orders automatically that yes. happen through that platform. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I've always thought that the idea of people browsing your store in Facebook, you know, serendipitously finding products that way, wasn't that realistic. Am I too skeptical? Like, what does the data with your client show? How many people actually are browsing stores? Now, the, then the tag post, which sounds much more appealing. What's been happening for a number of years is that the reach of organic posts from businesses has been declining, right? And that's, Facebook doesn't talk about it a huge amount, but um, there's lots of data out there that indicates that maybe you were getting, you know, for every um, organic post, maybe three, four years ago, you could expect maybe 15, 20% of your followers to see that post. That's now down well below kind of 10%. So you're right. The um, Your organic content kind of surfacing kind of magically um, in um, in people's feeds is, is less likely to happen. But when people are seeing ads, okay, and maybe you're, what they, one of the things they will do, you'll probably be directing them to your website, but they will click on your profile. Um, and when they're in your profile, then it's a really nice opportunity to showcase kind of kind of products and um, and have your content in there as well. Um, so we often see brands using their social, in particular, um, Facebook and Instagram as anchors, right for for the for the brand. But it won't be enough to help you to scale, right? Unfortunately, you 
you got to pay, unfortunately. And how hard is it to get that product feed working between Shopify and Facebook? You know, as I work on a lot of the, the Google yeah. merchant stuff with my clients and, you know, the, the GTINs and the, and the NPNs, you know, getting those yeah. identifiers in there in the special fields is actually a lot of work for my clients a lot of time. Yeah. Is Facebook just as complex or is it easier? My perception, because it's not something we specialize in, but we do see the pain that people go through is that um, Google um, and Google Merchant Center is, is seems to create more issues and more problems. Um, but we do see people who've struggled with um, Facebook product feed and in, invariably then using kind of third party solutions. And there are loads in the app store that you can use and loads of kind of great solutions that you can use to help you with that. Um, and sometimes you want to um, segment your catalog a little bit more. So you might want to segment your, you know, your best sellers um, and put them into, you know, a, what's called a product set. So there's your entire catalog, but like in, in Google, you'll have product groups, you'll have product sets. And when it comes to ads in particular, you might want to say, well, actually, I have a bunch of products that are really selling at the moment and really trending. So I'm going to, I want to make more funds available to those versus, you know, I have 20% of my catalog. It doesn't sell, it doesn't convert. And until I run a promotion or a special on that, spending money to bring people to my website for those products doesn't make a lot of sense. So some of those things are not as easy, right? Um, and you may need a, a feed solution or tool to to help you with that. Yeah. Now, these feed solutions, are they in addition to the Facebook channel inside of Shopify or do they replace the Facebook channel in Shopify? Um, well, you need the Facebook channel anyway. Um, okay. But they, they're they a replacement for the catalog feed bit, right? Um, okay. So you probably use some of them in, or you see them being used on the Google side of the house as well, right? So there are yep. these kinds of tools. They overcome, again, some of the the pain for some reason. Something about your catalog is, is idiosyncratic and it just doesn't work for Google and you need some translation service to, to make Yep. And I think the key is to, to let store owners know, like, because a lot of people start this and they do it themselves for the first time. And- you know, all the frustrations you guys are feeling, those are real. And everybody else has the exact same ones. You know, it's not you, it's the system. Yes, yes, yeah. And look, as we know, there's, there's lots of great help out there. So if you if you search for it or you go to the Shopify community, probably somebody else has had the same problem. I um, mean, you're right, it's, it's, it's rarely you. <laughs> so we've got that feed set up. We're, yeah. we're doing all the stuff in, in Facebook. Are we now ready to start doing advertising or are there more steps we got to go through? from a technical setup we're probably ready to go okay um and you got to get so the it's the data points and be able to have that data and then the um the catalog your product kind of catalog is is key and then you're going to say ask me well what's what 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 else now do we need to do um i guess to before we start spending money right yep, yep. um and uh one of the things that's worth thinking about up front is what, what we call creative, right? Um, and because so far what we've done is we've got our product catalog and our product catalog is going to look like, it's going to look fairly dry, right? In Inside a kind of this a social platforms like Facebook and Instagram, right? So if you think your product catalog, you know, we, we're familiar with the, the Google's shopping listings or the search listings yep. um, of product. And that's what your catalog is going to look like. Okay. So that makes you think of one question, right? About that part there mm -hmm. is, you know, 
most of us, most stores are for their, you know, cover photo for a product. They're going to have what I call the Amazon photo, right? The white yeah. background yeah. of yeah. just the product. Is that what we want in our Facebook feed? Can we override the default? Should we override the default? Yeah, we we should try and override the default if we can, because the um, the lifestyle version, you know, the um, the full and and there are again there are tools out there that will take your Amazon kind of stock photography version, right, and they'll overlay it with your uh, your brand and and your identity, um, and uh, and and there are di- there are different shapes and sizes that are going to work in the different placements, so. If we start maybe thinking about that, so so we're familiar with the reels format, which is the the long, the it's basically full screen on a mobile kind of version, yep. right? So so we need imagery that fits that shape, so that your max when somebody's in that environment, they're not seeing loads of weird blank space around your product. So you want them to see the kind of the the, the full screen of your product. Does that mean that in in Facebook product management you are adding photos per product or how do those other screen sizes get in if you don't have them in your Shopify product? Yeah. So, so what, what you'll do is um, there's a few different things you can do. Um, So typically when we're creating ads, um, we're deploying those different versions. Okay. And then we're typically overlaying product imagery into those ads on top of those kind of um, let's call them, more full lifestyle kind of versions. And we can also overlay our products on top of video. So you get this kind of lovely carousel that appears um, at the bottom of a video with the products that are featured in the video. And in either Facebook Manager, Facebook, sorry, um, Catalog Manager, you can add additional products in there. Okay, so you can add kind of different variants in there. When we talk about creative, what we want to do is, um, in, in addition to the, the product catalog, we now need to do what we might call a very high level storytelling, right? So if we're remarketing to people uh, who've been to our website, then what we were going to start to want to think about is uh, putting key messages perhaps into the imagery, okay? So if we have a, for example, if we have an incentive or a discount that we want to um, people to be thinking about, then yes, it'll appear in the text. So, So with Facebook, you get the option to put image, video, and then you have text and you have different levels of text. You've got a headline text and you've got kind of description text, right, that you can see. But for the greatest impact, if you can start putting some of that text into your imagery or into your video. So let's say you've got a 20% discount because you know um, this person hasn't purchased from you before and it's, they signed up for your newsletter. You now want to give them a 20% discount off the first purchase. Then kind of having that hidden in the text is going to, you know, have less impact than if you can have that in in the um, in the imagery, and that's for our what we call the lower funnel, which is hey, I want people to buy, and I've got a strong incentive for them to buy, or maybe I've got you know a, a buy one get one free offer, you know whatever it might be, you want to kind of create content that has that in the imagery, and that goes all the way up to um, what we call let's say the top of funnel, which is we're going out and we're going to probably broader audiences. So we're not necessarily remarketing to people who already know us. Maybe we're going to these lookalike audiences. So we're going to people who've never heard of our brand and um, we're asking Facebook to find people who might be interested in our our product. And we've got to do a bit more storytelling, right? So what really works at, at that stage of the customer journey is probably 15 second video. So short form video, anything longer, 
Facebook doesn't really optimize for. It only allows you to optimize for a maximum of 15 seconds, which makes our lives easy because you can brand. I don't have to create 60 second videos. I got to create 15 second videos and they work best in, again, in those, what we call the story format. So the long format um, for reels and for Facebook. And, and there's a structure to those, right? If in and if if you look around at at, at most e-commerce stores have figured this out that there's a there's a there's a story format that works or a a, a structure a, a framework that works for 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 these types of video ads, um, and I kind of break it down into kind of four parts. So the first part is the hook, right? So that first one second of your ad, um, well we've got it. We've got a lot of work to do in that one second because. Um, nobody wants to see ads, right? And people, nobody's scrolling through their feed saying, oh, I wonder what the next ad is going to be, right? <laughs> they kind of want to avoid them if they can. So in that one second, we're not talking about ourselves. We're usually talking about the problem we're solving. So we're usually creating some kind of a, a, a awareness or or, um, or engagement. And it's, it's usually trying to be very, quite emotional um, because that's the kind of space that people are in when they're kind of flicking through their through their feed. And then because we know that the vast majority of people don't watch more than one and a half to two seconds of video, right, before they scroll through, and there's, again, loads of data points in this, then within the second second, we're trying to introduce our brand. And very often what you'll see is um, brands not putting their full logo up, but, you know, if they, if they'll, they'll use their brand um, in words. And in, as part of that, they'll, they'll talk about how, their core proposition solves the problem we just heard about in that first one second. And you might think this is all very fast. Um, but if you look at uh, increasingly at video ads in, in again, in the Instagram world, and then you jump across to TikTok, you realize, wow, this stuff is actually getting faster and faster. And we're trying to do in two seconds what we probably did in TV in 30 seconds, right? Or 60 second ads. Because again, all the data shows that <laughs> I'm laughing because I just in my head just had, and thus comes the downfall of civilization pop into my head, right? But but be that as it may, it's the reality we live in today. It is. Unfortunately, it is. And, and look, what it means is even if people aren't um, staying longer, and most people, so work on the assumption that the vast majority of people won't watch more than two seconds of your ad, right? Then what have you achieved in two seconds is you've... Um, had your the problem you solve or your hook or your kind of like you know the, the needs or that you satisfy or the desire that you fulfill whatever it is that that's been kind of you've had that moment of resonance with somebody and before they've completely swiped off they've maybe seen your brand and your proposition right so you're just you've just started something right now yep so right now if people are listening to you so far like there's top of funnel ads, there's yeah. bottom of funnel ads, yeah. there's remarketing, there's dozens of different sizes and images you're going to yeah. have to create. Yeah. And then you're going to have to have videos. It's all very complex and inundating. And that's just the reality. And, and what I always tell stores is, you know, if you see how good of an operation an evolved brand has, you'd be amazed. You're like, how did they ever get there? And they didn't get there in a step, right? It took, it took yeah. 20 steps or, or a hundred yeah. steps. Yeah. So if, if we're talking to that first time store owner, what's the, what's a simple first ad campaign that they can set up. That's a little more or less, less inundating for them, less complex. What, what, what's a good first one to do? Yeah. So I, so I, I, I know I, I kind of got stuck there on creative and 
I think what I wanted, to, my conclusion I wanted to make there is that don't not invest um, with an either an in-house designer or somebody around your organization who can put creative together because it's somewhere between 50 and 70% of your total impact will come from creative. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I don't want to like dissuade from that point. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to a client and it was my last conversation with a store build that I had just done with him. So we, we just finished the project yeah. and one, you know, we're talking about next steps. And, and one of the things I was explained to him is, and this is my, my personal philosophy about Shopify stores and, and I actually wrong to call them Shopify stores, right? I, I believe that my clients are brands yes, because most of my clients have their own products and they're, they're building something that's long and enduring and they're a brand. And I also think that the way a brand becomes a brand today is through content. Yes. And I, I'm so adamant about content being one of the most important things to a business's success or a brand success. And if it's important to your success, you shouldn't outsource it. Like yeah. So many people want to outsource, like, who do you got to help me with videos? Who do you got to help me with this? Like, and, I, and I was showing this client, I was like, here's a company that used to make hand soap. Now they make great videos that happen to sell hand soap. Okay. Um, yes. Right. Cause they yeah. become, they've shifted from a manufacturer to a content creation company. Yes. And as a brand, I think you're going to have to be a content creation company. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's that destination. That's our North star for these, these aspiring Shopify stores who are getting to Facebook ads for the first time, but you know, this is their first ad. What can we do for them there? So look, I think we're both aligned on that. And in the same way that really you can tell the difference between um, a store that's been designed with, you know, a professional designer in the mix and, you know, customers can tell that difference. And similarly, people um, in the, the social channels can tell something, you know, based that was created professionally and um, something that was kind of just kind of thrown together. Now, my last point on, on, on this one is, um, uh, and I've talked to a, a large global brand recently about trying to remove what I call the polish from the rads because um, you don't need to do TV quality here, right? Because yep. the more organic and the yep. more authentic it feels, the better. So that's not what I'm saying either. I'm just saying you need to, somebody um, needs to put time and effort into creating creative and, and actually you know if somebody if it's their job or it's a, a good part of their job then they'll be able to churn out that they're the different formats and variants that are needed and then you'll start to figure out actually i didn't need all of the variants because only some of them work for me others don't work that right so let's go back to the first ad um so the first ad that you can do and that makes most sense to do are those sorry those remarketing ads with your product catalog so the way to to go about this is you go into Facebook Ads Manager, um, and you um you create a campaign. There's a big create campaign button, right? Uh, and fairness, Facebook now makes this kind of very easy for you. Few steps that take place, but the one of the first things that happens is you get asked, "What's your objective?" Okay, and your objective will be from um, awareness to traffic to um conversions right or kind of yep. purchases ultimately so you're going to pick the purchases objective that's a good one for a store yeah yeah exactly yeah you're going to then get an option around well how much do you want to spend okay so again start small and and if things start to work kind of scale up actually before you start 
for kind of remarketing campaigns, you should really be thinking that, sorry, you shouldn't start unless you have probably kind of a hundred plus kind of visits to your site on a daily basis, right? So kind of two to 3,000 kind of visits to your store. And the reason for that is that uh, Facebook works on data and um, and it won't be able to build audiences. The minimum audience anyway that you can have inside of Facebook is a thousand, right? So to give the algorithm something to work with, you'd probably need kind of 3,000 plus kind of as a, as a remarketing audience, okay? So that's just before you even get started on this, right? And we see brands probably starting with, you know, if you, let's say you're at that stage, then probably starting with $20, $30 a day, right? As a, as a budget and just start there and, and, and then you can adjust up and down as, as you see fit. You're going to be asked to pick your audience, right? So what's your audience? And you can now pick your picks. You can select in a drop down. Hey, oh yeah, this is my pixel that I'm, I want to use to build audiences and you can include people who've done triggered certain events right so i want to include people who got to the add to cart stage or i want to include people who got to my uh, product view page who actually looked at a product now if you do an add to cart or a product view event do you also have to add the but did not purchase or yes yeah so add those ones and exclude sorry no what you, you do them as an exclusion so exclude people who have purchased and you can do look back windows as well. So this is uh, also an interesting way to optimize is you will have better success. Well, again, it depends on your business. Is your purchase a more considered purchase? What's the average purchase timeframe for your customers? And Shopify will, will show you this data. So on average, do people purchase over a, a 30 day or a 60 day period or are people generally purchasing within one to two days? Okay, because then you can start to think about, well, actually, What's my look back window? Is there any point in me spending money on people who were on my site 30 days ago? Because my product, I have very, very few people who ever buy from me, you know, unless they were in yesterday or something. And to, you know, to exaggerate so people understand, like if you're selling cars, and that's the exaggeration because yeah. no shop yeah. are selling cars, but if you're selling cars, you know, people could be researching for months. Yes. Um, yes. But if you're selling uh, pens, they're probably not searching for months unless they're really expensive pens. And what you want to do there then is you want to stay top of mind with people over that longer period of time. And actually what you can do is you can segment your campaign. We're getting kind of, this is you know, maybe more complicated than we need to be at the moment, but you can, you can say, right, I want to have um, a certain part of my campaign talking to people who've been on my site in the last seven days. And then I want a different um, and we either call it an, an ad or an ad set or a different message that's targeting people who were on my, my site between um, seven and 28 days, right? Because I want to talk to them differently. I've got something different to say to them. So, so you're now starting to set those kinds of parameters based on the events kind of on, on your website. So for our first remarketing, should we be targeting the event of viewed product or add to cart, which is a better way to start? It depends a little bit on the volume. So if you have very few add to carts, again, probably be thinking that I need to have thousands in any audience for it to be really effective. Because the other thing that will happen is if you create an audience that's very small and you give Facebook some money, Facebook will spend your money and you'll get what's called ad fatigue because mm -hmm. they just keep showing the ad to people. 
and people will start kind of hitting i don't want to see this add-on anymore i'm seeing it too often and that does how i do it all the time so yeah so people do that so 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 in in our shopify store we should go to our abandoned carts and look at that number and if it's not in the hundreds or thousands hundreds per day or something like that then we want to be looking at add to product as the event yeah, you can go further back. And actually, within Facebook shows you those numbers as well, right? So when you're in Facebook, it'll give you an estimate of the the size of the audience, okay? But if we think about it, you'll, you'll get a better conversion from people who've added to cart but not purchased than you will from people who just landed on your website and disappeared, right? So so it's going to be about, um, and what, sorry, what the, really the way to, to think about this is to start setting up. Um, so within a campaign, you then set up ad sets, right? An ad set is contains a number of ads, right? And an ad is what you actually see, what somebody sees. They see the text or, or sorry, the, the image or the video, and that's an ad, right? So, so but ad sets, um, so you can have a number of ads in an ad set or a number of different variants of, a, of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an image or a video um, with slightly different messages in them, depending on, and you're, what you're doing is you're A-B testing. You're trying different things out. Um, but the ad set is where you set, the um the audiences or i want to try this is my you know zero to seven days audience and i have a certain type of message for them i'm going to try different ads in front of those people um, and then you have another ad set that does something different so you can actually set up different ad sets that are just breaking this down a little bit for you okay um the, the easy way to start is just anybody who's been on my website in the last 28 days and who hasn't purchased but that's the simplest way to get started see how that goes and then get more more granular the next stage then is you're you're going to set up your so you've you've kind of identified your audiences um, and then you're going to create your individual ads and, and within each ad you get the option for um you can be your product catalog so it's remarketing kind of just shown to the product uh it can be video it can be a static image it can be a carousel um so where a carousel is is interesting is where you um, and this is where we think maybe more of the consideration phase, right? Where and where you might use consideration. If somebody's watched your video in top of funnel, um, and maybe they didn't go to your website, but they they watched the video, so they're kind of interested in your brand story. And what the consideration phase is, people are, um, yeah, shopping around, looking at their options. And the carousel ad, it allows you to put. Uh, 10 different frames into a single unit so that we can scroll through it okay so we can flick through it and um and you can put video in there as well so it allows you to get more of your features and benefits and use cases into one ad unit and then allows people to kind of scroll through so you get all these choices about different types of ads but certainly at the bottom of the funnel um if you're in remarketing then your product catalog so having that in there and it's called a dynamic product ad so putting that in and is Facebook smart enough that it's it's determining which products to show to the customer? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So so it'll show them what what, what the product that they were interested in, and then what you also want to overlay with that is um, you really want to have a strong reason to buy. Okay, and that's going to be an offer. We see um, most merchants and, and stores now, um, and we talk about first party data in a second. But most merchants are are. Um, you know, having that incentive for the first purchase, sign up to our newsletter and um, get 10% off or 15% off. And what is very useful to do is to take that offer for all of those people who've signed up and put that into your ads, right? Because they got the email, 
But now they're also going to see that offer. Hey, I've signed up for their newsletter. And now next time I'm on Instagram or Facebook, oh, there's my 15% discount, right? And I, and there's the product I was interested in, right? So so just, just reinforcing what you're doing in email in the ads. And sometimes people say, oh, why would I spend money on that? Because I'm sending them an email. And look, we all know what marketing and advertising, the more places you can be in front of people, the better. And when you're... This is very cost effective because what you're doing is you're buying audience. You're not buying keywords, right? You're not bidding against others for a keyword. You're actually, you know, Scott's seeing dozens of ads every day, right? So you're just getting into the mix um, of, hey, I'm showing him this audience member, you know, um, kind of one of my ads. So it's actually very cost effective. So remarketing is the most cost effective way to spend money on ads in essence. I agree there because you're talking to your customers, right? You're saying- Hey, these are my customers, Facebook. Yes. I want to talk to them on your platform yes. because they're not on my platform right now. Yes. So yes. yes, you're continuing that conversation. And, and I like thinking about that relationship between a, a store and a customer as a conversation. Yeah. And you're just saying, hey, you just signed up. Don't forget, you know, we got lots of great things. 15% off. Here you go. Yeah. Um, so, so that you're giving somebody... They're in principle interested in your product, but you're giving them a, a reason or a hook. And if you can make either, you know, time bound, you know, hey, this offer is only available today or this week or whatever, then, oh, you know, all those usual tactics that we, we know work in, in sales, right? In, in retail, kind of reapply. Now, if we're doing an offer, let, let's say they're not an email signup. So that we just, someone yeah. came to our website and we want to give them 15% off for their first purchase through yeah. a Facebook ad. How do we actually do that? Is that a Shopify discount? Is that a Facebook discount? Where where is that fifteen percent thing happening? Yeah, that's a Shopify discount. Um, the smartest way I've seen people doing this is so you you set up your your Shopify your discount in 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 the back end. Um, you may decide that it's not the first thing I show somebody when they next see an ad, right? Because you might decide, well, actually this ecosystem will will figure out hey i just wait and get my discount right because you know i couldn't find one when i was on the site and now i'm going to get a discount so but what you might do is it might be the second bite of the cherry so it might be on day three or four then they're now seeing kind of that i've seen solutions that when they click on that ad then the strip at the top right uh shows them hey this is the ad you saw on Instagram a minute ago and it follows them through the site, right? So there are little, there are apps that you can install that make that user journey very easy because the hard bit on this is I've seen an ad which is 15 off, you know, on, on a coupon, right? And I know I just left Instagram and I can't, what was that code again? And yeah, so, so, yeah. so if you can bring that coupon with them on the journey. So you have a landing page in Shopify specific for that ad, right? Okay, and yeah, that, yeah. that, continues that conversation, right? And yes. that's why if you think about that relationship with this visitor, potential customer, as a conversation, there's nothing worse than when you're walking down the street and your neighbor says, hey, Scott, how you doing? Why don't you go over for a beer? And you go uh-huh. over and knock on their door for a beer and you're like, what are you doing here? And that's yeah. exactly what we do to yeah, most of our yeah. ad customers. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. We see them out and about on the street and we say, hey, come on over for a beer. And then we send her the homepage and the homepage says, what are you doing here? So having a bespoke landing page and, you know, for the sophisticated brands for literally every single ad campaign yeah. they're doing, yeah. which is a lot of work, but that that's how they 
continue that conversation and have an organic experience yes. for their customers. And the data will show you um, that you, when we measured in bounce rate, the the bounce so bounce rate being, you know, how many people landed on your web page and then exited straight away, right? So so a high bounce rate is bad, right? And when you do that, when you tailor the landing page to what they saw in the ad, and and, and it's the visual as well as the message, yep. then your bounce rate goes way down because people saw an ad, and as you say, they go to this generic, you know, homepage that look that has no resemblance. Maybe the logo is the same, and that's it, right? They can't see any of the other messaging or tone of voice or anything that they saw. Um, so you're right. Like, it's a lot of work, but it works, right? So, yes. um, and again, there are tools out there and apps that will dynamically, you know, create those landing pages for you. But, you know, you don't need those to get started, right? You can um, you can do that. So, and you're, and, and you're right. We, I loved your analogy, actually. Uh, I'm going to use that one. I'm going to steal that one if you don't mind. <laughs> Feel but, free. Yeah, but you, we spend all this money trying to grab attention on the street. And then, as you say, they they walk in to your store or up to your front door, and then you're just like, "What?" And I'm just Who are you? Like, yeah. it, it's it's bizarre how we do it. Like, and, yeah. but you know, you'll notice those elegant brands that we all love, right? Yeah. And the ones whose ads you see everywhere, they don't yeah. do that. And and that's that you know that's that cause and effect. It's a virtuous circle kind of thing yes. where the really successful brands have conversations and have that consistency and think about that experience and every single step of it along the way. And that's how they got to be so rich and successful. But you also have to be rich and successful to have the time and energy to do that kind of thing. So you just got to start doing it small, think it through and then do it more and more and more. But it's, it's that thinking of all the steps of that customer experience and making those cohesive makes that that difference you're talking about you see in the in the bounce rates are drastically lower when people put that thought behind things and and i loved your your two examples of it's not just the copy but it's also the imagery so if it's if it's you know holiday time use the exact same image maybe you crop it differently but that consistency is actually a good thing not a bad thing people don't see it as redundant they see it as consistent yeah yeah agreed 100 percent well, I'm I'm just 100 what you're saying. We're, 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 yeah, no, great. So so look, our, our, we're still doing the the, fir- the first ad, right? So yeah. we we've, we've hit the <laughs> publish button and it's now live. Uh, and now we need to do is we need to just keep an eye on it, right? Um, there's a thing in Facebook and in Meta called a learning phase. One thing you didn't mention in this ad setup is we talked about you know creating the ad and the ad groups and the copy and all that kind of stuff. Where do we publish it? Do, do we put it on Facebook, ah, on Instagram? Yeah. Uh, do we have choices there? Or is, is, is Meta just figuring that all out? Yeah, you have choices. And um, Meta will want you, and I think we're business partners with Meta, so, 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 but they'll want you to just say, put it everywhere, right? And, and see how it goes. And that's okay to start with. Right, because you might get lucky and you might find some placements, what we call placements. So, you know, each of there's the channels, which is the you know, Instagram, Facebook, and Messenger, etc. And then there's the placements, which is there's different spots in there where your ads can appear. And what you will learn for your products and your brands, and it also depends on your demographics, right, etc., is that different placements might work for you. Okay. Um, I have a few that I hate that I I dislike. Um, so one I dislike, for example, is um, the audience network, which is takes sometimes takes about ten percent of of your spend. Um, but 
this is where your ad appears in maybe in somebody else's app, right? Or on another website. And sometimes um, if you're on any kind of social gaming or mobile gaming apps, you'll see this all the time. Sometimes um, you have to watch an ad to do something, right? To get to the oh, next level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So what I've seen, you know, is that, oh my God, I've got this like amazing, what we call in video, a view through rate. I have a 100% view through rate, right? Yeah. But I have zero clicks, right? Or zero engagement. And I was like, what, 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 what's going on there? And that, that they're weird stats because presumably if somebody watches my video, they're going to want to click on it ultimately. But it's all coming from the audience network because people are being yep. forced to watch my ad. Yeah. So they, they, they click on the, the link that says 10 childhood stars. You won't believe what they look like today. And then they go to that landing page and your ad shows up and they want to see what that kid looks like today. So yeah. they watch it. Yeah. Only to get past it. They, they couldn't yeah, care yeah. less about the ad. No. And and if they do what I do is, which when I get that on my on my phone, I put the phone down on the couch and I wait for the 10 seconds because I'm literally no interest in watching another <laughs> ad to do whatever, you know. So, so, so there are some placements that you may proactively exclude because you, it's just not going to work for you. Um, maybe some people want to force people to watch their ad, but you know, um, that's, 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 that's a choice. Um, what you might find is that some placements are much better for, for that top of funnel. So those story formats are great because um, people are in this kind of like just flicking browsing kind of mode um, and they're willing to watch, kind of looking to watch videos and et cetera. And then we find maybe in the wall and Facebook can be quite good for conversions, you know. So, so you might find different placements are good for different types of objectives that you might have. Well, if we're doing a um, product-based ad for remarketing, are there certain formats that works in? Are there ones in that that bucket that we should be using and ones that we shouldn't? Um, so, so Facebook will do it. It'll do a good job at making them look as good as possible in all the formats, and you'll see little previews. So, if you just put your image in, it'll show you kind of the different versions, and you might say, actually. I probably need a slightly better image in that or or something. So so you get to see all those kind of previews. But what you want to do is maybe launch with, you know, all of them initially. And then you'll be able to see in your reports, you'll be able to see a breakdown of by placement and by channel. So you, you might find actually, well, actually, Facebook works for me and Instagram doesn't work for me. You know, I didn't think about that, that you know, and or certain places in Facebook and Instagram work better for me. Um, and you start excluding so you can switch off kind of different placements and um and ramp up your investment in other placements um, so go broad to start and then and then yeah find based yeah. on data yeah exactly exactly yeah because if you're seeing opportunities and this is yeah this is what you then get into then is um you let your campaign settle for a couple of days facebook needs 50 conversion points now so so this is where Sometimes we set goals a little bit further back the funnel. So, for example, if um, if you're not going to get 50 sales in the first few days, right, from Facebook, then what you might want to try is change the objective to add to carts, okay? So, um, okay, I'm not getting purchases, so I'm not getting a ROAS, a return on ad spend in terms of revenue being generated because it's not happening. And And you need to give Facebook data. If it doesn't have data, it can't really do much for you. It'll spend your money, but you mightn't get results. Okay. Well, and if, if we we work the math on that, right? You you had start, said before that a ROAS of fifty or a uh, cost per acquisition of fifteen is really good. So let's just say it's going to be higher than that. Let's just say twenty. Yeah. And we had also talked about maybe just start doing a twenty dollar a day spend. 
That yeah. actually means that when it's all working well, you're getting yeah. one conversion per day. Yeah. But yeah. it's got to work well before it can get to that one conversion. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's, that's a great example of why you might want to not have that conversion be the goal and have it up the funnel a step or two. Exactly. Exactly. And then, especially if you're launching from scratch, because Facebook's, you know, doesn't have any data on you. Um, and it's also a reason not to kind of, kind of restart campaigns all the time. Sometimes people kind of just start lots and lots of campaigns. Oh, that one didn't work. I'll start another one. You're resetting this learning phase all the time for Facebook. And, and it operates within a campaign structure is where the learning happens. So when you create a new campaign, um, then you're you're kickstarting another learning phase, et cetera. So, so just think about that as well. Um, and it, it's also why we might segment your product catalog a bit is that, if there's, if you've got products that Facebook's showing and nobody's buying them, then Facebook has zero data, right? Whereas if you have products, um, let's say, you know, and, and the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule in, in nearly every e-commerce store that I work with applies, which 20% of our products deliver 80, 75 to 80% of our revenue. Okay. So if you focus your investment and, and what you're giving, so if you do segment your catalog just on, on and only have those in a product set or a product group, then there's volume, right? So so they're going to sell. Facebook's going to have data. Um, and therefore, Facebook will be able to use that data to find more people who might buy them. So it's its, its own kind of flywheel effect in essence. Um, and whereas if Facebook has, let's say you have a catalog of a thousand products and you know, only 200 of those are actually driving volume. Facebook's trying to see if there's any traction with the other 800 and probably wasting a lot of money right on those other products. So, um, and, you know, on a catalog, you'd like to see a catalog, you know, with, with probably at least 40 to 50 products in it, right? So, so, so you know, if you go too small, then there's very little for Facebook to work with. So if you can segment your catalog a little bit and try and prioritize um, your top sellers, then that can just help you when you're getting started. Yep, yep. So data is a huge problem for new ads or in new stores because they have to have the volume of customers on their store that the Facebook pixel has information and they've got to have the volume of customers going through the ads process and clicking and viewing and all yeah. that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah, So. So it's a really hard problem for a, a small store with small volume. Can it yeah. be solved with money? Just say, oh, make my ad spend a million dollars, or is that just, you know, going to make it worse? So, so where where you might want to start with this then is, you might want to just go steps further back the funnel. Okay, um, so let's let's work on some imaginary numbers that probably aren't too far from from reality. But if if a cost per purchase or cost per acquisition is let's say $15 then a cost per click is probably about 15 to 20 cent okay and then a cost per video view is probably you know one and a half to two cent right so you're talking about factors of 10 or whatever each time um or 100 in the first instance right so so if you let's imagine you know actually you're not getting kind of even much traffic to your website then let's let's go back a step and let's do some um let's run a traffic campaign yep um use a what's called a landing page views objective so um it's not just a click because there's you'll see this in all the ad channels but you know somebody clicks on a on a link 
um, from an ad and then they go to your website. But if they bounce within like a millisecond, oh, I don't want to do that, then it registers as a click, but they never actually went to your website. Whereas a landing page, you, they have to actually have sat on your website for at least a second, right? You know, so so you run a landing page views objective and maybe you're going to those kind of slightly. Now, if you don't have lookalike audiences to work with, so you don't have, you know, two to 3000 people that you can build an audience from, then then start doing some kind of interest-based kind of um, targeting. So, um, and you can go through Facebook and find people who are interested in other Facebook or Instagram pages that are in the same space as you, or you can pick demographics, you know, age, gender, location. Can you remarket off of your customers or your competitors? Can you, can you take the, the big dog in your space and say, anybody visited that website? Anybody? No, not their website, but anybody who likes pages. So followers of pages, you can, you can, too, you can pick. And so, so pick all of the things that, um, so for example, if you're in the um, pregnancy space, right, then, you know, all of the kinds of pages that people who are pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant might be interested in, right? It's a great way to, you know, um, and you can, so, so, so you can zone in on that. Um, and obviously the narrower you are, you know, the, if it's just people who are in your category, then that will, is going to be useful as well. Um, so interest-based targeting does work um, and it's a great place. It's a better place to start than going out to the entire population, you know, between the ages of 25 and 65 or whatever, right? So so, so then if, if you're doing that landing page as the trigger, it yeah. sounds like what we're actually getting smarter about is our ad creative and our call to action or messaging. Yes, yes, yes see what we have to say to people in this format on this screen size to get them to come to us. And let's learn that step first. Yes. Yeah. And, and actually you're raising really just on, I forgot to mention on, on, um, on the first one is that call to action can be something you can, you can test as well. So for example, in the earlier stages of the purchase journey, um, using a call to action, like learn more, because let's say people are in consideration mode, will drive more clicks, right? You'll have more engagement than a buy now button because I'm not ready to buy. And buy now sounds like I have to buy and I don't want to buy. Yep. So with learn more, you'll have a higher click through rate. So more clicks, but you'll have less conversions. Um, So that's what learn more. With a buy now button, it's the opposite. You'll have less clicks, but a higher conversion rate. Okay. So earlier in the purchase, and you'll see this again, um, um, when you look at the big brands, they're generally using learn more earlier in the purchase cycle. And then buy now is their bottom of funnel kind of call to action. And does their learn more end up going more to like a blog article and the, the buy now more is a product page? I, I yeah, yeah, I go back to your landing page kind of thought process, yep. which is um, and what, what, how our landing page is different to a blog article is that it's that nice mix of education that's featuring products. Okay. Yep. Typically, you know, so it will have the very big call to action to buy ultimately. Right. Yep, yep. Um, but it, it, it is, you have more space and more real estate to highlight features and benefits and have product video in there, et cetera. Right. Um, yeah. Well, a- any store that I build, uh, every, every article is going to be a really good call to action to buy products. Okay. Um, right. yeah, yeah. That's not built into the store by default. You know, you've yeah. got to customize our themes, but we spend a lot of time making sections to promote uh, products on blog articles. But, you know, I, I totally get your point. In, in the landing page, 
you want to make sure that you're fulfilling the promise you made, learn more, Yes, but also guiding them to the next step in that process, which is learn more, become more smart about this decision-making process you have to do for this product. And now let's make a decision on which product you want. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, if you're doing, I'd, actually, I'll, I can chat later, but I'd love to see some of your blog articles. But yes, in principle, it should be where you take people. But very often they do a bad job of selling. As well. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And, and that's actually article templates are, are not that good, unfortunately, inside of our themes. But in, in sections anywhere in online store 2.0, right, yeah. you can add any section you want. Yeah. So for a lot of stores, what I actually make is a section that promotes article, you know, products, which, you know, that's easy to do. But what I do is I tie that to article meta fields. So you add the section to your template. And then it only shows up if the article meta field, which is a product selector, has one or more products selected. So it's easy to go inside that article right to the meta fields, which are pinned, and just say, select products and pick the one, two, three, four, five you want to promote on that blog article. So I think, yeah, you know, yeah. I think themes will have that in the future built in by default. But right now, it's a, it's a custom section you got to build. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. So we got this first remarketing campaign up. We've got it flowing. We, you know, we've been talking about the problems you're going to run across, which mm. are, are many, and, and I'm glad we covered those. But let's say that works well. Um, how do yeah. you know that works well? Like what, what ah. are metrics we should be looking at and what are good ranges, what are bad ranges? Okay, okay. There's a, there's a bunch of things that we can look at. So um, conversion rate, sorry, well, let's say click-through rate is... is a first good one so it um and if if this is your first ad then you don't have a benchmark right but yep, um, yep. <laughs> if if let's say hard to say right what you know across the industry but let's say you know two percent click rate would be yeah okay grand right so so for every um 100 people who see my ad two of them are clicking through okay um so if, i don't know if you can hear that right now but my my chewy yeah, it's yeah. just sneezing like you would. It's adorable to listen to. So if, if people are listening to the podcast right now, they're like, what the hell? I don't know if you could hear it in the microphone. Or not, I it's right in my lap. Yeah. That's my little four pound chihuahua. And he just sneezed like three or four times. And the last one was just hysterical. But sorry That's, about that. Yeah, you're, you're talking brilliant. about metrics there. I was talking, Yeah, I was talking about click-through rates. Um, a click-through rate, certainly if your audience is engaged, right? If you've got the right audience and you've got a relevant message, then you should be expecting high click-through rates and anything kind of around 10% or higher is going to be solid, right? So 10% of the people who see this ad um, are clicking through, which means you've got the right audience and you've got a relevant message. You know, it's resonating kind of with them. For the, the remarketing people on this first campaign, yeah. so it sounds like the range is going to be between 2 and 10 Yeah, ten, two, 2 and 10 plus, And yeah, somewhere in there is where you're going to probably be yeah. to start with. Okay. So if you got a 1%, you got problems. Let's go back to that creative thing we talked about. Before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a good metric. Conversion rate then is another nice metric. So if your store conversion rate is, let's say, 1.5%, then you would expect that the conversion rate from your ads, from your remarketing ads is higher. It should be kind of two, three, four times higher than your, your average because you're now talking to people who... um have engaged with you and this is not their first time engaging with you. So now are we looking at Facebook's conversion metrics, Google analytics or Shopify's Facebook. Okay. 
Yeah. So what you want to see is of the people who've clicked on your ad, how, you know, how many transactions kind of happened on the back of those clicks. Okay. Yep. Um, you can also look at that in, unfortunately, Google Analytics doesn't do a great job of reporting on Facebook um, and Shopify. Um, it's a, it's a conversation for another day, but we, you need to have UTM tagging. So yep. tracking setup and parameters on your, yep. on your ads in order for Shopify to kind of to, to work well there. So if you, if you stick with Facebook, you know, you might distrust the data, but if you look at the comparative data between campaigns and trends over time, then it'll give you a good steer. Right. So the way I describe that you might mistrust the data thing is every platform overvalues itself and that's okay. You know, so Facebook's going to overreport, Clavio's going to overreport, everybody else is going to overreport, but they all overreport. Um, but it's directional, right? It's directionally yes. accurate. Yes. So don't yeah. worry about the nuances of, hey, I've got five traffic sources and the total traffic I get is 125% of what I, I actually have. Yeah. Th- that's natural. Don't sweat it. It's okay. Yeah. Right. I'd like to say differently, but I'm I'm a believer that there is ne- there's not going to be a perfect solution. So so it's it's almost we could waste our a lot of energy and money in trying to yeah. find one. Um so I think your guidance is hey, look, it's directional. Use it on that basis is just a better approach overall. Right. Okay. So uh, conversion rate, and again, if you think about what your benchmark might be for your conversion rate is if if you're targeting people who've added to cart. And let's say you're add to cart. So people who've added to cart to purchase, if that conversion rate for you, let's say that's at 15%, right? Then that's probably your benchmark for your remarketing campaigns, right? So um, because you're now talking to people who've added to cart and not come back. So so you should be aiming to get to there. So, so again, it's going to depend on which audiences you're using, but conversion rate is a gr- good metric to see ad. So I'm getting great click-throughs on this and I'm getting... A good conversion rate and then the last one that we obviously look at is return and ads so well just just two they're, they're one side of each other but it's either cpa or return on ad spend roas um and facebook will you, you'll be able to customize your columns and they'll show you these data points okay again what would be interesting is to look at those when you're running across different types of campaigns am i getting some campaigns with a higher roas which ultimately is going to be average order value right so so actually this for some reason this campaign and the audience i've chosen here you know tends to spend more mm, that's interesting you know can i do more of that can i find more of those kinds of people because because aov can have a big impact as we know right um so, so you're looking at, yeah, when, um, I'm sorry, the last metric that you, you're going to look at um, is a thing called frequency, right? And this, this can be a negative. Um, and what frequency is, how many times have people seen my ad? And if that's too high, then what starts to happen is people say, I'm seeing this ad too frequently and they start blocking you and you start getting negative marks in the Facebook world, right? Um, and what frequency is, it's, um, it's, it's a divider of the number of people, what's called reach inside of um, Meta, divided by the num- into the number of impressions, right? So, um, in, and we this we run into problems with these remarketing campaigns on frequency because and somewhere, right, in a, on a weekly basis between four and ten is kind of somewhere in there is 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 too much, right? So I think once you hit above ten, then 
I think everyone's agreed and that's probably too high. Okay. Um, and so I've, I've had lots of discussions with people. Some people think, well, four is too high, right? So somewhere in there is the truth and, and it's hard to, and Facebook will never tell us, right? But somewhere you start to run into trouble. So what you need to do there, there's two things you can do is um, uh, swap out, or sorry, add in more creative variants. So more, more ads, right, into your, into your campaign because then the frequency will reduce, right? Because I've seen different versions of it. Um, and, or if you can, make your audience bigger. Well, your third is probably the question I'm going to ask is what about reducing ad spend? Yeah, that was the third one. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so the problem with reducing ad spend is that that will have the most kind of straightforward uh, impact. Um, but let's imagine you're getting a six or 10x ROAS. This thing is working for you. Um, and um, that's a campaign you want to scale up. So you want to spend more money because you know that for every dollar you spend, you're getting 10 times return on, on, on ad spend. Um, so now the question is, okay, can I add more? Really, actually, the ultimate question, can I add more people in here? Right? Can I find more people to put into this pot? Because it's working. It's working. Yeah, the only reason I asked on the, the decreased ad spend, because on this remarketing, we can't increase the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we're bringing more people to our site somehow. So yeah. Yeah. on that first campaign, if if they're not getting a good ROAS and not getting a lot of conversions and there's a high frequency, well, you're saturating there. So then yeah. then in that situation, pull that knob of spend yeah. less ads yeah. while also bringing more people to the site through other methods. Yeah, yeah. And if, if, if I can get a plug-in, we have a Shopify app and that's what it does. It helps you spot times when it's time to reduce your spend or increase your spend. So... Because it's really important because you can you can waste a lot of money with stuff like, oh, nice. for example, on ROAS is really interesting because if your ROAS is going down, right, you were going from like a six to a five, then that means you could have spent less and got the same result, right? And got the same amount of revenue. Um, and if it's because of frequency, then the right thing to do is actually to reduce your spend. Okay. But on the other side, if, you, if you're getting a ROAS of eight or nine and the audience and your frequency is low. Okay. You're getting maybe a one or two frequency in the last seven days. Then that's an opportunity to scale up. What we've got is we've got this multidimensional problem of all these ads, different creatives, different placements, different calls to action. You got different metrics you're measuring on them of frequency, impressions, click through and conversion. And that's a nightmare for people to manage. And I guess this is what Optally does is like your app helps you make those decisions or does it help you track when you should make those decisions? Yeah, it, 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 a little bit of both. So so we you, you connect your ad accounts into Shopify. So it all sits within the Shopify environment um, and we surface what we call opportunities, right? So every, every morning um, the algorithms run overnight um, because you have a full okay. day's data and it says, hey, there's an opportunity in this campaign um, and we're primarily focused on the money management, right? The ad spend management. Um, there's an opportunity to scale it or there's an opportunity it's disimproving. So actually you're wasting possibly some spend here um, and you'd be better off spending that somewhere else. So reduce your spend. But what it does is as a secondary thing then is that, oh, and by the way, here's some other things you, you probably could do to fix this, right? Um, and it'll be talking about creatives and audiences and kind of um, catalogs and things like that. It'll be highlighting things to do. Some of those humans have to do, 
right? So I need to go and find more creative. Okay, I need to go and think about my audience strategy. So it's hard for the machines to do that. That's what Facebook does well, right? Um, But what we'll do is we'll highlight, um, hey, the quick hit here is tweak your budget. And then the um, secondary things then, while, while, while you're saving some money or maybe you're scaling up, then do the, some of these other things as well. Um, and one of the things to say on budget is our, our app was designed a little bit for, and, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but maybe um, there's probably a better phrase for it, but trigger happy people, right? Um, so, you know, some of our clients, um, our early users of the app, maybe are in two or three times a day on looking at campaigns and kind of, kind of really trying to manage them, micromanage them. And you got to let them breathe a little bit. Um, and uh, and in fact, if you if you change your budget in Facebook um, by more than around, well, if you, if you hit the 20% mark, so let's say your, your daily budget is, um, is $20 a day. And if you put that up to $24, then there's a good chance you're going to trigger the learning phase, right? So it goes into learning mode again. None of us are fully sure what that actually does. Does it does it disimprove performance? But it starts to scare everybody. So what Facebook is saying, look, don't be doing too much tinkering here, right? Um, because you made a dramatic change. We're going to reset the algorithm and start kind of trying to figure things out again. And 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 you don't want that happening. So what what where we do in our app and what we suggest obviously to people is um yes do make kind of regular changes but make somewhere between five and fifteen percent so so um i sometimes call what we do is a bit like a trading desk kind of for ad campaigns across different platforms it's it's identifying opportunities that getting surfaced to you and then you're making small incremental changes and you're just capturing opportunities and therefore you're not going too far in any direction, right? Um, and one resetting learning phases or two, you know, you increase your budget too much on a on a campaign that's doing well, you might increase your frequency and then your ROA starts to go down. So that's not a good thing either. So if you think about it again, the reason for just a focus on this is that one of the biggest negatives around the industry, and I'm saying this because I'm in the industry and, you know, and, and it adds a huge amount of value to us all, but everybody is incentivized for you to spend more. There is nobody, including your agency, unfortunately, right, who's got any incentive for you to spend less. Yep. Right? It's just there there aren't people out there or any structure in the industry that that, that is focused on that. Um, so we charge based on the number of platforms you've got connected. So, you know, and, and people need to diversify. So that's how we're going to make money, right? Is you connect more more platforms like Facebook, Google, TikTok, et cetera, then we learn some more money. But um, philosophically, I'm completely opposed to being incentivized on how much you spend, right? And it's like a it's like this punishment. Yeah, you're doing well, you're going to scale your business and then we're going to charge you more. It's just... Oh, we can have a long conversation about misaligned business models, right? It, it's, it is so true in so many things. We've been talking for an hour and a half now. And where I wanted to start ending the conversation, even though I, I think we could talk for another hour and a half on, on these ad campaigns, right? Um, and it ties into what we we're just talking about is, you know, I, I fully believe that, you know, if yeah. you're a new store owner, yeah. you don't do Facebook ads yet. You should do it yourself to start off with, right? You don't want to hire an agency for all the reasons you just talked about already. Like they're not incentivized mm-hmm. for a bunch of different things. And you need to learn 
the levers in your business and you need to understand your customers because your agency, your consultants mm -hmm. will never understand your customers as well as you do, right? Any brand owner that you meet who's a successful brand, yes. it amazes me how well they understand their customers. So you may not run your ad campaign forever, but you should run it at least to start to get that understanding, that knowledge in place. And then there's two channels you can go, mm -hmm. right? You can scale up that skill in-house or yeah. you can go with an agency, you know, do you have opinions on, you know, when you'd pick path A versus path B and what are the triggers that you get to? When do you stop doing it yourself and, you know, and build that skill in-house as its own vertical or when do you start outsourcing it to an agency? You're right. I agree with you that um, you got to do it yourself, at least just to get started. Um, understanding your own limitations is really important in that. So, and I think for most of us, even though I like to think I'm, I'm good at it, but design and creative is probably where you need someone from who's done, you know, they're, who's been to art school, right? Or graphic design college or whatever. It is, right. So just, just bring in that layer of professionalism. Um, yep. um, and, and the reason I think we, we, we as a, a technology company have focused on Shopify is that, our solution is focused on people who want to kind of stay in control. And what we find with Shopify is that it, it attracts people who want to stay in control of their business. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we're self-helpers. This yep. isn't purposely what we're setting out, but we're a little bit of an agency displacement solution, right? So if you have somebody internally, who's able to create campaigns, um, you know, plug in the creatives and kind of build out the audience strategies, then um, where you might want assistance is on well, what's my what's my overall strategy? You know, where how much should I be investing and spending in different channels at different stages of the purchase journey? And that's where our where we come in a little bit, right, to help you kind of solve some of those problems. Um, and there are a lot of optimization like automation tools that will help you optimize inside of campaigns um now the channels are making that more difficult because they don't want you doing that so there's in pmax and google like the performance max it's all it just works really well and the more you tinker with it the more you're going to break it right so um but actually there's no solution uh, and this is where you might go to an agency uh, or come to looking for a solution like our, ourselves and and saying, okay, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm on Google, and I'm thinking about Pinterest and maybe Snapchat and then Bing, right? Where does all this work? What's, you know, I need a, someone to give me a strategy and a complete picture on that. And that's where agencies, um, if you can find an agency that's not siloed in itself, right? So this is something to look for is, it seems like people are either born as Google ads people, Facebook ads people, or TikTok ads people, and and you very rarely find mm -hmm. a person, and in most companies even a team that does both. So we we do manage service for people as well, but we, so we create pods of you know um, that work together on a client that very closely knit. In the big agencies, you have massive teams, and they're the paid search team versus the paid social team, and they're actually competing against each other for spend. So you've got to find an agency that thinks like you think about your business, which is it's a customer and they're on multiple channels and I need to nurture them through the customer journey, right? Effectively. Um, and I can't have people's egos saying, well, I'm on, you know, 
the search, we can't spend less than X on search, you know, and so, well, we can't spend X than, less than Y on social. And, and all of a sudden you're fighting with each other and regardless of whether it's the right strategy or not. Right. So what we, I, I see a lot of is um, probably initially the founder, and then maybe there's a digital marketing manager and they're running this and they're in the weeds of building out things. And maybe they've in time, then they've an assistant who's building out the campaigns and liaising with the designer and all that kind of stuff. Right. So you just got the ops bit to get things up and running. And sometimes the triggers for going externally for help are, I need to add in a new channel and I don't know it. Right. So I've hired in someone who knows paid social and they really don't understand search and there's, there's hard work to do in there. And maybe, you know, so, so, what we see a lot of is there's trying to find an agency who can do it all. That's hard. So what we find is maybe finding a boutique agency or a consultant who's very good at one. And then you're using an analytics tool or something like ourselves or whatever to try and just pull all the data together and just give you that, that picture. Um, and that's like, honestly the gap we're trying to fill, which is here's a toolkit. You simply connect all your ad accounts. It starts to surface some data for you. It starts to show opportunities and your team, whether they're consultants or an agency, you're just saying, hey, this campaign here, it's doing really well week on week. Um, something good is going on here. There's an opportunity um, and you can do what you want with that, but it might be an opportunity to scale up, spend more money and grow. And I think um, even though I say our ideal, our ideal customer is a trigger happy customer, actually having that autonomy to pull the trigger and, and and scale something up and not being afraid to do that or having the kind of the, the confidence to say, well, actually it's not working and I'm not personal about it not working. It's just not working anymore. So I'm going to just reduce the budget. Um, sometimes in agencies, and this is, um, I think unless you have a really good trusting relationship with your, with a client um, and it's important to build that is that the agency will say, well, they've, they've told me my budget is, you know, $5,000 a month. And if, I don't spend it. I'm in trouble. If I spend more than that, I'm in trouble. Like that's hard because you end up um, spending money on one hand that you didn't need to spend or not capturing an opportunity because something was happening in the market. Some product was starting to work and it took too long for you to go back and forth and figure out what was the right thing to do there. So in general, I think I say the reason we like Shopify is that they're more likely to need a tool like we provide, which is more self-help, more kind of do it yourself. But I need, I need the data. I need it. I need to see in front of me what's working and what's not working today. So they can make smart data just driven decisions. Yeah. Instead of just emotionally responding because I want to change something today. And, and, you know, on the agency side of things, as every small Shopify store owner knows, right. It's really hard to get good help. Um, in any bucket that you can think about it. And that's, you know, yeah, that's the unfortunate yeah. position of you being a small Shopify store. Coca-Cola and General Motors don't have a hard time finding good help. They, they're knocking on the door every day, you know, doing proposals, yeah. but they're also spending, you know, millions, if not billions to these vendors these days. And, you know, a Shopify store that wants to spend $1,000 a month, they're like, I want to spend $1,000 a month. How come I can't find a good partner? Well, all yeah. the good ones are doing $10,000 a month or $100,000 a month or a million dollar a month spends. Scott, in fairness to you, it's where people like you come in and the education material, like, you know, your your output is brilliant and the topics are spot on and um, like this kind of the deep dive, like most most 
podcast don't do the deep dive I, um and this is this is you know well, i found it a very useful hour and a half just kind of going through these and hopefully hopefully some others do as well but that's um this is the kind of thing that really helps i think smb small and medium-sized kind of owners yeah you know, on, on that finding the vendor, you brought it up, right? And, and yeah. it's, it's just so I want to emphasize it again. You said the boutique, right? So, you know, the small Shopify store, what you've got to think about is who's the small vendor? I'm a small business. You know, my Shopify store is just getting started. I got yeah. to find the small ads guy or gal yeah. just getting started. I got to find the small whatever just getting started. I'm not going to go to the biggest agency in town and get their attention, right? So small brands got to find small brand vendors or small vendors. Right. Um, and that, you know, that, that's my agency, a one person agency. Most of my clients I get on the call with, I'm talking yeah. to the one person at the company, sometimes three or four, you know, but I'm not talking to a, a company that's a public corporation or, you know, we are, and I've actually had it for like, I had, a, I had a fortune 500 company as the client and every meeting was me and literally 10 yeah. of their team. And it was like, this just isn't going to work, guys. Yeah, yeah. We just we just operate in different worlds. Like I say, let's do this, and you're and they're like, all right, let's put a committee together, and we'll make a decision at least within six weeks. We want to fast track this, and I'm just like, I'm done. Right, I'm not going to do this. Right. So small brands, we it's just, yeah. you find other small brands. It's hard to find a vendor, right? As a small Shopify store, whether it's an agency for ads or anything else, or someone for photography, all all that stuff. It's just hard. There, there's no secret sauce. But I, I love when you yeah. said the boutique. Like that just made me think small, and and that's that's like the secret trick for these people when they they start looking to outsource yeah. some of that help is don't yeah. go to the big guys. Find the small ones and interview them. Of course, talk to them, and that personal yeah. side of relationship becomes so important. Like you were talking about building that relationship. You know, talk to them a few times, and and don't pick the one who's got the most experience. Yeah. Pick the one you get along yeah. with best because yeah. it's going to make the relationship. Great. So much easier down the road. Yeah. All right. So we have talked for quite a bit. Um, it's been a great conversation so far. Uh, we talked about how to set up that first ad, get the Facebook you know, platform all working, how to measure that a little bit. And then when we're ready to scale, how to start scaling. Is there any last advice about people that are getting into the Facebook world that you could give them or something they should think about? I go back on, on thinking about um, the, the funnel. Right. While we're obsessed with that kind of the lower funnel and measuring ROAS, et cetera, I think we've it's come up a few times for us in the conversation that if you want to scale, so so your your maximum profit is in those sales campaigns where you're getting your three, four, five X ROAS, right? That's where your maximum profit is. But thinking about how do I grow my audience? And this is where social channels are probably better than maybe some of the search channels for this which is um i've got to invest in the those slightly broader audiences and get in front of them with my message as cost effectively as possible building an emotional connection with my storytelling kind of ads etc and that's how you scale and that's how in particular the last five years or so successful d2c brands you'll you'll talk to a lot of them and they've spent no money on search right because as soon as they go over to the search world you're competing just on price or just on maybe brand recognition and if you haven't done the work in managing your own funnel right to nurturing people through their own customer journey with you um then the the search side can be very expensive whereas if you actually put money into building 
kind of engagement and you know helping people through the consideration phase while they're in the channels and capturing their email addresses when they land on your site then what you magically find happens um is your cost per acquisition in google in shopping reduces and i say magically because it's hard to join the dots it's it's like oh look wow look my my cpa in google shopping has just come down because you were spending money over here and these social channels, building audience, building kind of engagement with audiences. And of course, they're going to go to Google right, and search because that's what we end up doing or being. Um, or maybe if you have an Amazon store, you'll go to Amazon. And we ran a campaign for um, one of our brands and it's in the kind of, kind of video creative side. And we launched our TikTok kind of activity for them. And all of a sudden, just coincidental, right? But they're Amazon kind of CPAs kind of came down just at the same time as kind of we launched this kind of TikTok campaign and completely unrelated. But of course, people are searching in Amazon and TikTok, or sorry, Amazon and um, um, and Google, etc. Trying to take a little bit of a stand back. Um, and I know we all are obsessed and need to be with our bottom of funnel metrics, our CPAs and our ROASs. Um, but if you can take a little bit of a stand back and invest in that building your brand and your audiences, and you'll see these correlations naturally come out then that your overall, what we call marketing efficiency gets better, right? So the amount of money you're spending on ads as a proportion of your total revenue in the long run gets better. Um, and you got to trust in the process, unfortunately, because it's not instant. So 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 it's because it's, it's long-term effects, but um, it does work. It does work. None of this stuff is easy, right? And it's, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's amazing like technology keeps getting better and every yeah. single thing you look at keeps getting easier but overall everything yeah. the whole yeah. thing in aggregate is getting harder right it is way more difficult today i think to be a successful profitable brand online than it was 5 10 15 years ago it's also easier to do the steps but it's harder to be successful in them all. Yeah, it does. No, so the barriers to entry are lower. So to get started everywhere. So, so actually, in the end, it is very easy to get started on Facebook. It's hard to do the right things, right? That yep. that makes sense and that will help you to grow because you got to do yeah. those things yeah. in conjunction with Clavio, with Shopify, with what you're doing on Google and TikTok, etc. It, it's all got to work together. And yeah. The entry points has got easier for everybody. So now there's loads more people in getting started. There's fewer people doing the right things together. My short summary of, because I, I like what you're saying there. Basically, what I heard you say is, you know, you, know, you need to create yeah. your audience yeah. instead of just tapping into an existing audience, right? And yeah. the way you create an audience, the unintended shoppers, I call them, is through awareness and building awareness. And you do that on social networks yes. versus search networks because that's where the intended people are. And if you're going to become a large, sophisticated brand, you're going to have to think about how to incorporate that into your mix instead of just, and there's nothing wrong for those people that are successful, feeding off an existing demand and tapping into that and making money. Um, but that'll get you only so far. Jim Sark doesn't just find people on search looking for sexy gym clothing. Exactly. Right? They're doing way more than that in all the stuff that they're doing. That makes a lot of sense. And that, that's, that is a really good summary. 
Likewise, Scott, very much enjoyed it. Um, and look, well done on on your podcast series. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep listening and hopefully we get to talk again soon. Well, thanks for the conversation. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Shopify Solutions Podcast with Scott Austin. This podcast is brought to you by Jade Puma, a Shopify-focused agency located in San Diego, California. If you like what you heard, please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast.